Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Key and Jessie, we need to talk. Um, I have got my stern school mom voice on <laughs> because I, look, I turned my back. Like I turned my back. For a moment, yeah, to go on holiday with my children, school oh, holidays, your children, yeah, yeah, yeah. The children, went away with them for a few days with some, a couple of girlfriends, lots of children, and you just talking smack about the mums <laughs> as soon as I'm out of the room. <laughs> Mia was rubbing. So this, anyone who didn't listen to Monday's episode, Jesse was saying that maternity leave was just one long holiday. Yep, coffee, yoga, sleeping, uh, going lunch to the movies. with the gals. Yeah, lunch with the gals. Yes, Key's like throwing down some ultimatum to her partner, <laughs> like earn this much money so I can be a lady of leisure, please. I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> the, the mother's across. I thought you said Holly that when you were in lockdown, it was one of the greatest periods of your life. <laughs> I thought you started a family choir and that you would sit at dinner and talk about what you were grateful for. You've just said it's been the highlight of your life. And so I was convinced that having a family is just like it looks like in all the movies. You are such a troll, Jessie Stevens. I, we, we will be revisiting this in full at some point so I can set you all straight. I should probably flag that I was being facetious, but I was also trying to piss off Holly. So my tone was confusing, I will acknowledge. But I do think that sometimes it's funny to imagine how beautiful it's going to be like with a baby. And then I think I'm just going to live vlog my experience when I come home with a baby and try to go to a cafe. Original idea. My advice is if you ever feel the urge to find out what it feels like to be punched straight in the face by an angry woman, just tell a pregnant woman (laughs) or a woman with a baby that maternity leave is a holiday. Just do that. Just try that. Just try that. And also anyone who was offended when Mia was like, I only needed a couple of months. I don't, don't compare, don't compare yourselves. These people don't know what they're talking about. Mia, it was a long time ago for Mia. She's blocked a lot out. It was, it was. I think she started, I think she might want a little baby again. And so she started to really glorify those early years because she's How so separated it from it. Exactly. Oh, anyway, we, we need to talk and we will, but just consider yourselves chastised. Okay. Okay. Hello and welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm back. And before we get started, I just also need to say that I was right about Prince Harry, right? I know I'm not allowed so to talk true. about it. I'm not allowed to talk about it, Jesse. Well, let me. <laughs> but he's today, he's released a kind of apology video, he and Megan, where he, he t- says that the Commonwealth has to correct its right wrongs. Wrong, right, has it right its right wrongs? Right wrongs, yes. And I just want to say, that's what I've been saying for a while now, is Megs is married into a little bit of a problematic family. See, this is, we are just talking about call-out culture the other day. You called him out in a respectful way. He listened <laughs> to the episode as we knew he would. Yeah. And then he went, I've got to make a public statement to the world because Holly Wainwright has said her piece. Yep. And then he sat with Megan and went, yes, okay, we've done some bad things, but I'm going to fix it. Do you accept <laughs> his apology? 
don't think that's going to cut it, Harry. I think we need a little bit more than a than a little bit of a video call. He did look super super awkward. It's like he suddenly had his eyes opened. I know. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough about me. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Jesse Stevens, and I'm Key Reese. Filling in for Mia Friedman that's today. Right. Key is doing all the hard work <laughs> lately. <laughs> So she was filling in for Mia on Monday and today, Friday, filling in for Mia because Mia is on holiday, which is a very unusual state of affairs. On today's show, can you ever tell the state of a relationship from the outside or specifically from social media? Jesse and Key have a theory that they can pick the happy public couples from the pretenders. Also, Share the Mic has been a brilliant social media campaign that's seen some of the highest profile people on Instagram with the most followers share their platforms with women of colour to amplify the voices we don't often hear. But have you noticed that all of the people doing it are women? Why is that? But first... So as of midnight tonight, 4.9 million Australians are going into lockdown as the entire city of Melbourne is closed to try and stimmy the wave of COVID cases in that city. Now, our hearts are with absolutely everybody who is about to head back into lockdown, whatever your situation. And we know that there are so many different stories in that kind of blanket statement, Melbourne's going back into lockdown. So many different stories. We're here in Sydney. We are not in lockdown yet. I'm like feeling all of the anxiety is coming back, but we have at the moment Sydney privilege. We are still free to move around and, and do the things we want to do, but the anxiety is coming back. But the response we're getting from Melburnians, particularly parents um, in our Out Louders group, is really reminding me of, of what it was like. This is one that we got today from an Out Louder. It said, Holly, I'm a mum and a public servant who's been working from home since mid-March. I cried yesterday at the announcement and I'll cry again. Can the Out Loud community share with us their top lockdown tips? What helps? What brings some joy? How to survive more homeschooling? Help! So what did we learn and what would we do differently if we were going back into lockdown? Because that's what a lot of people are sharing. Susan Carlin, Dr. Susan Carlin posted on Twitter and she and she is in Melbourne and about to go back into it. And she asked um, people to say that. What will you do differently this time than last time? Um, some of the responses are very thoughtful, like this one. Um, this one's from someone called Mads Grummet. And she says, less drinking, more thinking, less fighting, more writing, less weeping, more sleeping, less cooks, more books, less driving, more thriving, less waiting, more making, less series, more theories, less squander, more wonder. Now, that's beautiful, but it also reminds me of what we all thought before we went into a lockdown the first time. <laughs> but I did really like this one, which somebody posted in there, which they believe is is actually from a Canadian source, um, a Canadian government announcement reassuring people about what they should be, how they should be feeling going into lockdown. And some of the points, I won't read them all, but some of the points were like, you are not working from home. You are at home during a crisis trying to work. Your personal, physical, mental and emotional health are far more important than anything else right now. But I particularly liked this one. You'll be kind to yourself and not judge how you are coping based on how how you see others coping and you'll be kind to others and not judge how they're coping based on how you're coping. Key and Jesse, what would you do differently in lockdown this time? For me, it took me a, a, a long time to get comfortable in lockdown. I'm not good with change and my mental health suffered a lot. So I think just making the call 
um, sooner to move. We ended up going up to Brisbane to our family home because no one was there. We live in a tiny apartment in Bondi and we're just on top of each other. And it just felt very scary because it was a big hotspot. And it's a massive luxury. And I understand a lot of people don't have that luxury. But I think just any kind of resources that you can pull together and not having any guilt about what resources that you can get your hands on. But I found myself um, needing to really think about small things that I was setting for myself each day that were my own because I felt like my whole life really turned into work. And the one that resonated with me then was that the first one that you said, Holly, from the Canadian resource was that you're not working from home, you're working from home during a global pandemic. So it's like completely different. And I think that really set the tone at the beginning of it, but also just having things each day for myself that I was doing. And then also my partner and I set a weekly meeting where we would just discuss things that are working and not working in the house. So because it's a shared space and it was a, a bigger space, we still needed to talk about things that were working and not working. Like I was like, I want to have lunch every day because I want something to look forward to. And he's like, well, that's not actually doable with my schedule. So just checking in with the people that you're sharing that space with and having like that open forum to talk about things that might be annoying you was a massive one for me. And then the third one was that I upped um, the frequency of my psych appointments. So I made sure that they were like fought remotely. Remotely, yeah. I just ended up doing through the phone. We didn't even get to video conference or anything like that. But instead of doing once monthly, I did every fortnight. And I found that that was really good. An investment, again, like it's a privilege to be able to to be able to afford it, but um, it's an investment that I like thought, especially during this time, I had to do. And I was way better off, I think, for it. Yeah, my mum's little mantra is always be kind to yourself and we always make fun of her about it um, because sometimes I think it sounds a little bit meaningless, but it's not. It's really, really important. And so the two things that I would focus on the most, the first is exercise, which Susan Carlin said and a lot of people said in that thread is, um, and I think what exercise comes down to as well is routine. So it doesn't mean that you've got to set up a yoga studio because a lot of people don't have space and they have kids running around and it's really hard but it might mean going for a walk every morning and a lot of people felt in lockdown that they were good at the beginning and then when the exercise dropped off their mood did too so I think exercise is important and the other one is is laughing that's the one thing that got me through so like whether it is stupid videos on TikTok or watching stand-up comedies on Netflix or Stan or whatever it is I just think that you can go mad if you go days without laughing and there is humour in this madness. There, It's there somewhere. It is very hard to find. And, and I think as well that it's worth saying to our Melbourne listeners, we're so aware that this is a case for Melbourne of bad luck. It could have been us. It could have been any other state. And it may still be us. Exactly yeah. right. And I feel as though we started off when this all happened with a real sense of we're all in this together, not only as a state or a nation, but actually as an entire planet, which doesn't happen with news events very often. Now we're losing that because some people are coming out of lockdown. Some people feel like some countries feel like they're completely kind of on the other side of it. And we're sort of yo-yoing. And I think that must be really hard. If I was in Melbourne right now and I knew that there were other places around the world that are enjoying a European summer or some people can travel or whatever it is, I'd be struggling with the fact we're not all in the same boat anymore. Mm. But and, and there's sort of been this a little bit of a tone that's like, oh, Melbourne really stuffed it up. But I, I don't think that's fair. And no, I think so I many people so have just been doing their best. I think Daniel Andrews is doing his best um, and 
we should all just acknowledge that Melbourne, uh, well, people in Victoria, um, and also these people in the in the public housing towers, are making a really big sacrifice for all of us, and they're keeping the rest of the country safe by staying in lockdown for this period. So our thoughts are with you, and you're all bloody heroes. The bit that really got me in that list was the bit about judging because we've already got messages in the Out Louders group from people saying, you know, I've got to keep my daughter in childcare for this reason and I already feel the judgment about it. And for parents in particular, that was such an enormous part of lockdown is the guilt around I'm not enjoying having my kids at home, I'm not enjoying homeschooling, why does so-and-so down the road seem to love doing it or so-and-so on social media and her amazing craft projects and or I have to keep going to work and I have to keep sending my kids to school and I know people think I'm a terrible parent and I just think the thing that I would do differently this time is be nicer to myself. I'd take Anne Stevens advice. <laughs> we asked our Melbourneian Mamma Mia out louders how they were feeling heading back into lockdown today and these are just a few of the messages we got that show you just some of those stories behind that headline. Hi Mamma Mia out loud. I'm from Melbourne and I have three kids at home, two of them are school age and looks like we'll be homeschooling again soon, so feeling a bit nervous. But the scary thing is that I just got my first delivery of these special diet meals. I'm on a diet as of today and there'll be no gin and there'll be no chocolate and no snacks. So I'm not sure how I'm going to get through the next six weeks. I'm homeschool my kids and I also took on another day at work this week, so wish me luck. I'm from Melbourne and we have just gone back into lockdown um, and honestly feeling very um, uneasy about it because I didn't go into lockdown the first time because I was deemed a, an essential worker but we've sort of done a bit of an overhaul at our work and decided that, that more people can go home so now I'm locked down so it's all new for me haven't started on the banana bread yet um, the other thing is that I just um, met someone and we went on one date and now we're locked down. So it's going to be a lot of movie dates. Hi, my name is Rochelle. I live in Melbourne. I'm from a hotspot in Auburn. So it's all the chocolate and all the gin will be coming my way. <laughs> Hi, my name's Stephanie. I'm calling from Melbourne. I live 400 metres from the Commission Flats here. Police presence is just absolutely insane. Thankfully, they should come out of lockdown today. But going into lockdown again is extremely disheartening and I really do feel for all of our city. Hope you're all doing well. Stay positive. I just have one piece of advice for the woman with the diet meals. Just uh, throw them in the bin. <laughs> eat some pasta that's the, that's the end of it if you have some advice about what you would do differently or what you're planning to do differently as you go back into lockdown please let us know please help some other outlouders out jump into the outlouders facebook group where there's a thread where we're sharing what we would do differently in lockdown or call the pod phone on 02899 Mamma Mia subscribers you've been Asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. 
to link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts. Open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. So there's been quite a lot of surprising celeb breakups in 2020. I mean, we've had COVID, that's pretty self-explanatory, why people are breaking up. But there were some big ones that I think were quite surprising. So on my list, I've got Mary-Kate Olsen and Olivier Sarkozy, her older dilf. And they were together for a little while, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, for a while. Yeah. And they seemed really solid. She was, she almost gave up her professional life to raise his kids. It was quite a thing. Um, Kelly Clarkson and her hubby slash manager, Brandon Blackstock, which was heartbreaking because she wrote that song about how she was finally loved and seen and now they're breaking up. Sad. Um, Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler. Kind of saw it coming, kind of didn't. <laughs> Megan Fox and Brian Austin Green. And, of course, Angie Kent and Carlin. So we probably did know a couple of these were going to happen. But don't you just think there are some celebs who you just know are really happy together, like 100% solid, you know they love each other, they're going to be together forever? What are the telltale signs? So... Angie and Carlin are a great example of this, right? Because they were on their influences. So they're all over social media all the time. Was there, when do you feel that you can tell from social media when a relationship tips from, I'm crazy about you, to the announcement's coming soon? When you start unfollowing each other on social media, it's a pretty yeah, the big Instagram sign. glitch. Yeah, the Instagram glitch that started happening every few days um, and you not spending any time together, that sometimes gives it away. I think people also being in different places can be a bit of, and when you're in lockdown as well. Maybe being in different places during lockdown, you probably want to be in the same place if you're in love. <laughs> probably not trying to escape to a different state. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I anyway. have a theory about this because I um, was reading an article recently about, and you know I, I'm not often interested in um, celebrity stories. I'm far too smart to get, oh, yeah. to get into these petty little stories. Jessie, you're too clever for um, celebrity stories. Shots fired. I'm on the spill. Yep, yep. Our celebrity and pop culture podcast, <laughs> our daily one at that. Yeah. So I was scrolling through and I saw a picture of my good friends, Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban. And I was like, now there's a couple that are happy. Mm. In my mind, they... Um, they're very close. They have good dinner time conversation. They're solid. They don't need to constantly be posting about it. They enjoy singing, shared hobby, but they're also quite independent because Nicole has her acting and Keith has his country music. I like you who you've got a tick list here. It's yes. like shared hobby, tick, tick. Talk at dinner, tick. Yes. <laughs> quite independent, tick. I just feel like they are very happy together. I feel the same about... Um, Hugh Jackman and Deborah Lee Furness. They're just, again, shared hobby, adoption. I think that's their, like, thing that they talk about <laughs> all the time. I don't know if that's a hobby. <laughs> it's <laughs> like shared activism, shared values, good sign. Okay, yes, good yes, sign. yes, yes, yes. Key, who do you look at on social media and go, oh, that's goals? Barack and Michelle. Hello. Oh, there course. is nothing breaking them. They are as solid as a rock. Oh. They are so in love with each other, shared everything. Yes. Shared everything. You know what they it is? perfection. It's the um, shared, they have a real intellectual equality. They do. Because they can just, you know that Barrack came home after doing a day of presidencing and he would be like, <laughs> Michelle, I want to chat to you about this policy. And she's like, give it to me, Barrack. Yes. 
And then they would sit down and have a chat and they're just, they're so supportive. I think he helped proofread her book probably. Probably. Um, and I just, well, the other thing is that I don't feel like they're constantly performing. Right? Yes. And I think that's the same even with Michelle and Keith. But I also think... Nicole that, and Keith. Oh, Michelle and Keith. <laughs> Michelle and Keith. Nicole, that's great. <laughs> Nicole and Keith. I think, yeah, it is. But they're, they're a little bit, but they're not too much. Yes, It's just when it enough. tips over the edge and then you think, oh, no, they're not in love. Yes, for example, and I'll say it, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Wow. Well, no, I just... Happy. I'm not buying it because they're constantly like, let's prank each other. And couples that are constantly pranking each other and like having these massive media moments and their Instagram, they're kind of all over each other's Instagrams and they're sort of more into the idea of themselves than the reality of themselves. Yes. I don't think Gosh. they're having good dinner time conversations because I think they're talking about when they're going to post the next picture of themselves. I think. Yes, I agree with that. That this projection mm. that you're going on here where these poor people are being slandered, they're crazy in love, they have their <laughs> children and whatever. Um, I think. The couples that you think are doing it right says a lot about what you value in a relationship because just from the list of what yes. you've just said, you value good conversation, intellectual equality. What you value is a lot of togetherness. So yes. you like reliability and I think that means, you know, you want somebody who's going to be there for you because Key said that that was important to her. And I think that I always like it when I when I see couples who do seem to be, have really independent lives because I value that, right? I value you're still allowed to be you and they're still allowed to be them and you don't need to constantly be like couple goals and all that are, kind of stuff. Are you thinking like a Sarah Jessica Parker, Matthew Broderick? Yeah, I've never, ever seen him no. on her social media, ever. I really, like, not. And I don't think you have, like, again, I think it, it says the values that you have because... I, if I was Barack and I'd come home from a day of presidenting, yeah. as you said, I wouldn't really <laughs> want to be talking about the policies over dinner. Like I am frequently, this is often a conversation that goes on in my house, small glimpse into my world. I'll be like bashing away at the laptop with like an angry face and Brent's like, what's that thing you're working on? And I'm like, you wouldn't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like, what's that presentation you've got tomorrow? And I'm like, it would be so boring to you. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk about work at home. Like I don't. So again, I think that you you kind of like uphold the ones, you, which is why I always used to love Brad and Angie. It's so sad that they broke up. See, that's your values is Brad Pitt. That's your values. He is my value system. Yes, exactly. Except for the problematic stuff like the drinking and the being mean to the children on a plane. And that's why it would work with you and Brad Pitt. But I do think my theory is that there's an inverse correlation between how much you post of yourself with your partner and how happy you are. Because in my lived experience, the more selfies I've been posting with a partner, the more I've been trying to project this image of how good things are, the shitter the relationship has been because I'm trying oh. to like overcompensate. Um, and so I often look at that. I often find that the people who are very in your face are the ones who are probably struggling a little bit um, which you often see with the celebrity situation. I mean, Kelly had to write a song. Kelly Clarkson had to write a song <laughs> she about... She did have to write a song. I think I'm actually the opposite. So I think my most solid relationship is the one that I'm in now and I probably post the most about him, but I don't actually post that much, to be fair. Mm. But the other ones, I was almost scared to because I was so insecure about how strong we were and wouldn't want to be judged or wouldn't want him to think that even though we dated for like 10 or something years... I think I'm the opposite, but maybe it's just because I'm a bit of a private person as well. Because mm. some couples are strong and just love to sing it from the rooftops. Like Chrissy Teigen, John Legend. 
But oh, is it real? They, is that real? Is it real? I don't. I don't know. I'm in two camps because they are quite performative. Yes, as in their marriage is part of their brand, and when that happens, it's like. Do you have to keep your marriage in order to sustain that brand? Would it ruin them both if they broke up? Like, I don't know. You know that video of John Legend when all the celebrities were performing at home for the beginning of lockdown yeah. to brighten our days? And John Legend was singing All of Me to her at the piano in their house. I love that song. That's a soppy yes. song. And I don't normally like soppy songs, but I love that song. And she's like looking at her phone and checking out yes. the manicure. So true. And, and I love that because it made me think they probably are really in love. But I would like to imagine that if someone had written that beautiful a song about me that I might pay them a little bit of attention <laughs> while they were singing it. But the fact that she was so comfortable as to do that suggests to me that that's some real intimacy there. The celeb couple that I think do the best job of it is Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. I think they're just the right amount of gushy kind of celebrity because couple they but were still friends, individuals. They were friends first, right, because yeah. they were on that 70s show and then they kind of grew and then they were on that movie together. Yeah, but guys, <laughs> but guys, he was married to Demi Moore and I was working in gossip mags when we all got the pictures of him cheating on her in a hot tub with a whole load of cheerleaders. So let's not get too carried away by how marvellous Ashton Kutcher is, although, of course, people can change. Anyway, I'm glad we've (laughs) we've sorted all that out. Uh, I'm glad that we've got – I'm always happy to have a celebrity fix with you anytime, Keith. Thank you so much. Jessie says she's too good for it, but she kind of really enjoyed that. Too good for it but knows all the names. I know. It's like I'm secretly reading all of it and thinking really deeply, um, but I like to pretend that I don't. This is Mamma Mia Out Loud. So you guys might have heard about the share the mic hashtag movement that's going on. It started in the States and then it was adopted in uh, Australia by a bunch of influencers, uh, including sort of Zoe Foster Blake, again, um, Susan Carland, bunch of women um, decided that what they were going to do is share their platforms with women of colour who might not otherwise uh have access to these audiences, right? And it was a great idea. I know Mum Mia did it. I believe Mia did it uh, with Marley. Marley Silva. With Marley Silva. Uh, and it's a great initiative. It's a really good idea. And anyway, I was looking through the hashtag the other day and I noticed that there were no men, right? There were no men who were sharing the metaphorical mic. And I looked it up and it is something that was started by women for women, But I wondered if there would ever be a male equivalent, right? Because these powerful women in the US, in Australia, in the UK, everywhere, like even if you look at the Glenn Doyles and the Zoes and the Brene Browns, these people who are, you know, spokespeople for really, really big issues are so quick to move over when they feel as though a minority or a marginalised group have something to say. And often it is these women who are um, protesting the most for things like trans rights and, you know, anyone who kind of in the structure of power structures isn't isn't being platformed. Here's a little grab of Gwyneth Paltrow um, just before she was about to share the mic. Good morning. Today is a very special day because I am going to share the mic with an amazing female wellness warrior whom I admire very much. Latham Thomas is going to be taking over my Instagram feed today. 
Then there was the hashtag pull up or shut up and it started in the US again and it was about not supporting racist brands or people on social media, so influencers. And a similar thing happened in Australia as well and I was looking through, it encouraged people to actually call out brands and um, people for not being diverse enough in their representation. And when I scrolled through, it was all women right? It was uh, even Man Repeller in the States is this female-led brand and that has been absolutely um, criticised, rightly so, for a lot of racist accusations. But bloody Golfer's Digest or um, (laughs) panels all over the world with white men are not. And I've just been thinking a lot about it and how quick women are to move over. Whereas the likes of Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, even, and you know that I love these men with all my heart, Hamish and Andy, that it is not ever expected that they will give up any of their power or that they will become political. It's almost as though white men, the power they have is invisible. We just accept it. We accept that there's female president, that there's white male presidents and prime ministers and CEOs everywhere, but white women have suddenly become very visible. And when we see them, we kind of go, hang on, you're white. Why aren't you X, Y, Z? And I just, I found this really, really interesting. And it's not that I don't think women should not be moving over. I think they should. But why aren't we asking the same of men? Key. I think it's because women do it better. We lean into things that are unjust. We want to make a change. We want to band together. It's also just, I think, where where we show these this types of activism on social media, typically not where men go to toot their horns in that kind of way. But it is unfair. Like I, I, it, I didn't even think of it until you pointed it out. And it's so true that men just don't have to really get involved in anything like this. I mean, I, I kind of was looking to my friends in, in, during this time and thinking, you know, are they really standing up and doing anything? I had to really take take a look at my friends around me. But I didn't actually once think to question my partner or my male friends and how they're kind of standing up to it. It just automatically falls to women. And I think it's just because that's kind of what we think in society. It's kind of our problem. Men stay out of it, kind of their hands are clean of it. But that's the thing that's galling about that in particular is that especially with the re, with the recent Black Lives Matter resurgence of that movement, it's men who are the ones who it's male police officers who are committing the acts of violence. It's male created structures that are systemically racist. It's men who overwhelmingly hold the power to change anything. So why on earth are they not the ones who are being called? I mean, to be honest, I was thinking about it and I do remember in the first couple of weeks um, after George Floyd's death, who was the man who was murdered by police that sparked the fresh wave of protests in the US, a lot of the big US talk show hosts did move over and share the mic. I mean, they didn't call it that. They didn't hashtag about that. But, you know, you're Jimmy Fallon's and you're... James Corden's and all that, they did do their monologues and then passed over to men of colour to talk. Um, But again, it seems like this gender division, which is really strange. And then it's true that on social media, I was trying to look, when I realised that Share the Mic was a female movement, I was trying to look for a male equivalent and there just isn't one. And I would like to think that it's because women are better, key, because clearly we are 
in almost every way. Um, but really it's the men who need to do the moving over more than the women because women have only had a mic and I, I don't want to sound in any way like some kind of defensive um, white woman. I'm sure I do sound a little bit like that. But women have only had the mic for a short period of time whereas the men have had the mic the whole bloody time. So hand it over. Do you think it's because... When you are a woman who holds a position of power, you also have to have a position on feminism, right? Because your your position in and of itself is political because of your identity and because of your subjectivity. A man, again, take Hamish Nandy, like they don't have to have a clear position on racism or sexism or anything like that because it's actually just not their brand. They make people laugh full stop, that's and it. And there are female celebrities too, it's not their brand as well. Yes, but I think that we ask more of them because they are innately political in a way that a white man, I think Joe Rogan, because Joe Rogan was called out recently for something, right, that was actually pretty bad. And what he did, his response was to go, you think that's bad, here are 10 other clips from my podcast that will offend you. And he put it out. And he's not like necessarily a right-wing troll, right? But it's not his brand to apologise, to um, to kind of always be talking about equality in a way that when you're a female and you've gone, yeah, I really care about representation and diversity, then it becomes a stick by which people beat you with because they're like, you care about diversity. Well, why don't you have X, Y, Z, which is a really valid question, but it's just not a question that I feel like we're asking white men because their power isn't political in the same way. But is it because women are part of a somewhat marginalised group is that we already have things to lose by standing up and saying something, whereas men are like, well, I, I'm not going to lose any of my stuff and they don't have to because they're a man, you know, but we are used to things being taken away from us for having opinions and sticking up for things that we think, well, this is just as important as this other cause. There's no way I'm not going to say anything. And we're almost fearless, I want to say. Yeah. I, I love this view, Keith. I love this view because it's not what I'd thought. And when you were saying that, when we were talking about it earlier, this idea that it's like almost innate in that women have struggled and so they know that they have to be part of the struggle. I think, I hope it's true. Like I hope it's true and I wonder that it's not... As we say, as you were just saying, Jesse, and we see in so many different occasions that women are always held to a higher standard. It's like, you know, a female presidential candidate has to be absolutely spotless and everything from her shoes to her hair to the way she speaks will be picked apart in a way that a lot of for a lot of men, that's not the issue. And so women are always held to a higher standard. Are they being held to a higher standard in this moment? I don't know. But you know what? I feel good. Like I always say this and I know it's a bit flippant but on International Women's Day I always post a thing that says I'm really grateful that I was born a woman and I am and I know that there are many, many issues that women face, of course they do, that men don't but like wouldn't you rather be on the right side? Wouldn't you rather be the people who are happy to stand up for people who are struggling rather than the guys who are like, oh, I think this will blow over in a minute? I don't know, do you think? Oh, it's a hard... I feel like people are going to hate my answer to this. I often think about it. I think I think it would be... I know it would be easier to be a man. It would be easier. It would be easier and you just get this kind of... You're afforded different opportunities just because you're a man and it's annoying and it's frustrating and there's just things you don't have to think about. I waste half my life getting ready to go out the door. <laughs> what am I doing? I could be doing something else in that time. No, but it's, it's so just, true. 
Yeah, I, I think that women are closer to knowing what it's like to experience inequality and maybe especially I think um, women who identify as, as feminists. And if you're against, if you're very aware of inequality, then you're going to see it in lots of different places, whether that's to do with age or disability or, or whatever it is. And I just think that there are some men, and I, I want to say that because there are a lot of men who are affected by inequality for all different reasons, but there are some men who maybe haven't experienced it so much so it isn't so front and centre for them. But I think it is good that women are leading this movement, that um, women's faces are often used to sell things and that's why diversity is really important in a way that it's not, you know, men's faces aren't used as, as much. So I think that is important and I also think that women call out, women are harder on other women than they are on men sometimes. I think when we do the call out thing, we were talking about that the other day, women are far more likely to go harder on another woman than they might a man. Um, and so I think that's probably part of it. But it's important that we bloody hold some Some men should be sharing their mics too. Yeah. And they should be, um, you know, uh, looking at, at diversity and, and some of the issues in the world and looking at how they can use their, their privilege to make the world a better place. Um, it's recommendations time. Uh, I'm still nursing my wounds from not being here on Monday and you just stole my recommendation from last week. You just copied it. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I don't, I've, I've, so clearly my voice doesn't matter around here. <laughs> no, one, no one listens to you. But Jessie Stevens has a brand new groundbreaking recommendation for everybody. It's going to be especially relevant to everyone in Melbourne who's about yes. to head into a long period of time where you might be watching TV. Jessie, what is it? Okay, so you might want to get your pens out, right? So write it down so that you don't forget. But there is a show that I've started watching just last night. It's a great one. It's called Mad Men. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Got it. It's about a man <laughs> in advertising. And there's seven seasons, turns out. <laughs> it turns out it's not new. No. It turns out that it was made a few years ago. Some people have heard of it, a bit of a fringe little little show, <laughs> little television show, um, but it's being rediscovered by me last night. It was on Stan, I believe, um, yes. and I started watching it because I was listening to... Is it all on Stan, Key? Yes. Is it all seven it seasons on Stan? It just got released on Stan. <gasps> it was actually a recommendation on The Spill the other day. Oh, look yeah. at us. We're so hip and with the trends. <laughs> Um, but I heard a little snippet in a podcast I was listening to and I was like, that sounds like an interesting show. Oh, my God, it's the best show. It's so good. I am so excited that you've discovered the show. This show for me was my breastfeeding show. A lot of mums will know what that means. But when Matilda was born, my first one, and she's 10, so that's a long time ago, mm. Jessie, um, I discovered Mad Men and I binged them while I was breastfeeding. And it is so good because... It's about um, advertising in New York in the 50s. It moves into the 60s because it it spans over a long period of time. It touches on, obviously, the women's rights movement, civil rights movement, all of, and also just has all these amazing little vignettes of how life has changed since then. Everybody smokes all the time. They just throw their crap everywhere. The guys are always drinking martinis at lunch. Everybody's smashed. Like it's it's disturbing. It's it's but it is such a well put together show, and it's so perfectly cast. And I know that this is problematic, but. Don Draper. Oh my God. What a face. Key, did you love it too? I loved it, but I loved it for the women in it. Yes. There's some great. Elizabeth Moss. Oh. And even Christina Hendricks. Who plays, um, oh, I can't remember who she plays, but she's like the office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The redhead one. And she always wear and the fashion. 
the, the fashion's colors. amazing. But it's really interesting because Elizabeth Moth's character, Peggy, goes through this arc through the seasons of being the woman who's trying to break into this very, very male-dominated world and you know, she wants a career and she doesn't want to get married and all the other women in it are kind of in the, trapped in this. You become a secretary and then one of the guys will pick you out of the pool and then you can marry him and then you won't have to work anymore, you know. And Peggy's narrative is exactly the opposite. It's so good. The performances are so good. I love discovering something like this and knowing you've got seven seasons ahead of yeah, you. Yeah, like you're I'm lucky. Very excited because there are so many. Like I never watched Breaking Bad. I never watched Suits. I never watched like all those shows that his people watch. Takes a lot to get me in because I know it's a time commitment. Um, but our friends in Melbourne, like you need something to look forward to, and this could be it if you haven't watched it, or you could rewatch it. It's brilliant. It makes me want to be an advertising executive with my <laughs> own office and some whiskey. Um, that's on Stan, Mad Men. We would love to hear from you about shows that we should rediscover at this moment, shows that you might not have watched. You should have watched them, but you didn't. Please tell us. Tell us about that or anything else that we talked about on the show today, particularly all you Melburnians heading into lockdown. If you've got words of advice for each other or us, I, I'm not entirely convinced the rest of us are going to get off this unscathed. You can call us on the pod phone on 028999386 or jump into the Mamma Mia Out Louders Facebook group where all the best conversations happen that's it for today thank you key thank you thank you jesse thanks <laughs> thanks for reprimanding me <laughs> we'll see you on friday this episode of mama mia out loud is produced by bridget northeast and jacob round and we'll see you on mama mia.com.au bye bye Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. 